mind, it is really difficult to sometimes I literally <laughs> you weren't I wasn't prepared for that. You can edit this out. I literally don't know. <laughs> you should have told, asked me that earlier. Well, the sheet, so. anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Bloopers. I have an anger problem. When people mention politics and the condition of our country, I go off. And sometimes I say mean things to people who disagree with me. I don't want to hurt people with what I say, but sometimes my anger just takes over. Why can't I discuss controversial things in a calm manner? I might be codependent. I can't say no, even when I know I can't do something, I still say yes. I just don't want to disappoint people. I take prescription medication, but I don't need it. It makes me feel good and it helps me sleep. I've tried to wean myself off, but I always go back. I love sugar. No, I mean, I really love sugar. I eat sweets during and after and in between meals. I have anxiety. I worry about everything. I can't sleep at night because I'm worried about the next day. Do you identify with any of these scenarios that I just read? Maybe you struggle with one that I didn't mention. You want to change, but you can't. Why is change so difficult and how do I break out of an unhealthy pattern? These are the topics of today. I'm Eric Hutchinson. Welcome to the If Nothing Changes podcast. I've got my daughter here with me today to discuss how change is possible. Hey girl, thanks for joining me today. Why don't you introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are? Hi, I'm Hadley Hutchinson. I'm 19 years old and I'm Eric's daughter. Hey, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, if you remember, you were on episode three of the podcast. Now, the listeners know you as Hadley on episode three, but what they don't know is that you were actually episode one because I was still praying and thinking about whether or not to do this podcast or not. And I invited you here. I said, let's just do a mock up podcast and I kept the recording and I waited till episode three and then I posted it. and I've had so many positive things uh people comment about it so anyway thank you for coming back you're a great co-host and you're going to be awesome to talk about uh our topics about today so anyway welcome glad you're here again so let me ask you um this is episode 13 which I still can't believe that wow. I've done 12 episodes and this is the 13th but I have had so many positive comments about the life change stories. And I've had some really good life change stories. Why do you think that people like to hear life change stories? Wow, that's a really good question. I know personally, I love to hear a good life change story because they're encouraging. Like who doesn't want change in their life? And I feel like oftentimes there's things in our lives that we all want to change big or small and it's just really encouraging to hear how other people have come through those things um yeah so i like how you said come through those things because i think that's that to me is the key that whenever people hear that someone is struggling or they have struggled or maybe they've been through all kinds of hurt in their life and then they've had victory over that. They've changed their life, and they've seen that, and it gives us hope. And hope is so important. Without hope, we just we don't 
you know, we, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. And we start giving up on the problems that we have. And so I think hearing life change stories is something that, that really inspires people. And that's really the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was because whenever I would go to celebrate recovery and hear a life change story, it just inspired me to keep moving forward with change in my life. So anyway, you are a part of that. Thank you for coming and joining me today. (laughs) So I want to know why change is so hard. So I was reading in Romans 7, earlier, Romans 7, 15 through 20. I'm just going to read a few excerpts from that. This is Paul who wrote half of the New Testament. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And so I mean, if Paul, who is one of the greatest men in the Bible and who did so many miracles, if he struggles with doing things that he doesn't want to do, it makes sense that we're going to also struggle with that. And so anyway, I I think, you know, Paul knew that things were hard to change. And so that's kind of the question that I want to answer today is why is change so hard? And so I think that, well, I know this because I've read some stuff about this before, that our minds are like these little maps and they have all of these little pathways. In fact, your mom and I went on a our 25th wedding anniversary and we went to Sedona and we went hiking. And I don't know if you noticed, but when on the hiking trails, there were these, these paths and the paths were not just, they were very discernible. I mean, you could see them. In fact, when we were walking, they were actually indented into the ground because so many people had walked on them. Mm-hmm. They were etched into the ground. And so it was really easy to see where the paths were and where um, I, I needed to go. And if I went off of the path, it became real obvious real quickly that I was off the <laughs> path. So it was really easy for me to stay on that path because it was etched in there. And so our mind is like that. Our mind actually creates these things called neural pathways that that as we travel these same habits, these same routines, they just they just become automatic for us. Like driving. You have got this neural pathway. You know how to drive it. You've done it so many times and you've done it over and over and over again and your mind and your body just knows what to do. And that's the way our lives are and I think whenever we get into an unhealthy pattern and we start following that, and we've done it multiple times, whether it's anger, whether it's codependency, and we just we're, we said yes to so many people that we're, we just feel like we need to do that. Now, there may be some underlying causes there, but we do that same thing, and it's really hard to break away from doing that and doing something different. So anyway, I think that's a really fascinating thing uh, that we we struggle with that. And there was a verse that came to mind, uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Mm. And um, of course, they're talking about salvation here, but I think it also applies to our our neural pathways, our thinking, we get, it's really easy to do what the the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And so if it's really easy to, uh, you know, our emotions to live by that, if I'm angry or whatever, it's easy for me to do that. It may not be the right choice, 
but it's really easy for me to follow that path. So anyway, I guess, uh, but you had read some stuff and why don't you, why don't you read what you had looked up about, um, about our thinking and about where, um, you know, where change is possible. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I went to the word and, um, in Romans 12 two, it talks about, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I was, as I was thinking about, you know, why change is so hard and how change even is possible. Um, this verse struck me and just reminded me that, okay, it all starts in the mind. Um, often change, we see a behavior in our life that we don't like um, or that's unhealthy, and we say, I want that to be different. But more than not, that behavior stems from a deeper heart issue. So change begins with the mind. It begins with realizing that something is no longer working and making, and we have to first make a conscious choice to move towards change. So that all begins with a thought in our head um, before we can change. So, um, yeah, but it's very important um, to invite God into that decision and that process of change. So it's so crucial, and I've seen this so many times in my own life, just the fruit of inviting God into the dark, broken, tainted parts of our minds, inviting him into our old way of thinking, and um, allowing him to transform us and allowing him to transform our minds. He really is the only one who can truly transform our minds for good. Um, And it begins there. And once you've changed your outlook, you can then begin to change your behavior. And... Yeah, so that's kind of what my thoughts are on yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I love um, the Romans 12, too. I love too. that, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern. Again, there's those neural pathways, mm-hmm. the pattern of this world. Absolutely. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which that's creating new patterns 100%. in our life. And so there was a quote that I read, um, you know, uh, gosh, it's been a long time ago. I don't remember even who said it, but it wasn't me, uh, <laughs> that said that our desires dictate our priorities. Now think about that for a minute. What's important to you? Um, Is your uh, relationships important? Well, then you'll probably spend time with those people if they are important to you. Is it important that you brush your teeth in the morning? Well, if you want good breath, yeah, you're going to brush your teeth and that's important. So you make that a priority. Is it a priority to, you know, put your shoes on or is it a priority to put gas in your car? Well, yeah, because the gas doesn't run. Well, so anyway, our desires dictate our priorities. I used to tell people if you had asked me, oh gosh, uh, 13, 14 years ago, if you had said, hey, Eric, is it important that you have a daily quiet time with God? Said, Absolutely, because I've been a Christian since I was a kid. Absolutely, you should do a quiet time every single day. But guess what? I wasn't doing a, a quiet time. I would say it was important, but it wasn't important to me. Mm-hmm. So my desire was something else, and I had some hurt and some other things. But to be honest with you, I haven't done, I didn't do a quiet time until I got into recovery. That's when I started doing a quiet time every day because my desire changed. So my desire dic- dictates my priorities. My priorities shape my choices, and my choices determine my actions. And that mm. there's that behavior yes. thing that you're talking about. So the end result is my behavior, but it all starts with my desire. Do I want 
to change. So if you are listening to this right now, you are thinking, hey, there's some things in my life that I want to change. If there's nothing in your life that you want to change, then you're probably already turned this off. Or there's probably, you know, <laughs> if you don't want to change, then you're, you're perfect and you're, you know, you've, you've got everything that you want. But that's usually not the case. There's usually everybody, we are sinful people, we are people with problems, and we want change in our life. Maybe it's I eat too much, Maybe it's that I worry too much, I anxiety, I say yes too much, or I get angry to things, I say things that I shouldn't, I'm sarcastic. I mean, there are so many things that I would want to change, but it has to start with your desire, with your, I want to change. If you want to change, then you can move to the next step. Yeah, absolutely. And you start setting, okay, it's a priority now for me to change. We have a saying in recovery that you have to hate your um, addiction or your behavior worse than the pain of recovery. So in other words, um, it's going to be hard to make change, to create a new neural pathway. It's going to be difficult. But if I'm, if I'm, if I hate the behavior that I'm doing right now, which a lot of times if you've got alcohol addiction or drug or a porn addiction or something that's caused uh, some real hurt and wreckage in your life, then you that, we say that's your bottom. You've reached a bottom and you said, you know what, I got to change or I'm going to lose my spouse or I'm got, I've got to change or I'm going to die. Then those are real motivating factors. But a lot of times people don't ever reach that point to where they want to change. And so I guess the question for you or for anybody is, mm -hmm. do I want to change? And so the during our first episode, you mentioned that you had joined a step study. And so refresh our minds. Why did you join the step study and how's it going? Because you, you're moving right along. Yeah. So I joined a step study with Celebrate Recovery in January, which has changed my life already. <laughs> um, I realized um, last semester in the fall that, I mean, I already knew for years that I struggled with anxiety and there was some depression and um, just things that were not healthy fruits. Um, and I just kept thinking to myself, man, the Bible promises peace and joy from following Christ and I'm doing all the quote right things. And yet I'm not getting these fruits that the Bible promises. So like what's going on. And <clears throat> so I realized that I needed to change something. I didn't know what that was, but I knew that I struggled with perfectionism and that I struggled with um, control and that I just needed, I needed to dive deeper into those things. And so I decided to try celebrate recovery. Um, and so joining a step study has been amazing. The first principle talks about <clears throat> realizing that I am not God, admitting that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable, which just kind of goes back to what we ta I talked about earlier with making the conscious choice to realize that I even need to change, but then right. also recognizing that I need to invite God into that space. So that first principle really was something that was huge for my for me and my recovery process and realizing that, okay, I am not in control. I have tried all these different things that they didn't work, and so I need to invite God into this space. And so since I've done that, <laughs> I've been able to move into the second principle, which is earnestly believing that God exists, that I matter to him, talking about who I am in Christ. And um, he has I, the he power. Has the power mm -hmm. Thank you to help me recover. And that's so important because 
it's not in my own power that I can get over my addictions or can get over my uh, problems or get over my anxiety or whatever, whatever you may struggle with. You can't do it in your own power. It has to be through God's power that that change can take place. And also, I just wanted to say, too, which we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but I mean, all of this, again, um, a lot of times with change, we see a behavior we don't like, but it's the true issue lies in the heart. And just like with me, I was you know, trying to do a quiet time. I was trying to pray and I was doing these quote spiritual disciplines, but my heart behind it was out of a performance mentality of, I have to do these things to earn God's favor. Mm. And I have to do these things to be a good quote Christian. And, and that wasn't the right heart posture behind it. It wasn't out of a place of, man, I just love you, God, and I want to serve you. And there was no grace. I wasn't giving myself grace and room to mess up and make mistakes and to, you know, miss a day and stuff like that. And I mean, I did miss days, but I would feel shame and guilt. And so since I've started Celebrate Recovery and have been working the principles, um, I've been able to lean into God's grace and realize that, man, it's not... God's not hanging, you know, or isn't like, um, just like, just waiting for me to make a mistake or waiting for me to mess up. It's a relationship, just like with me and you, dad, like if we hang out one day, you're just happy that we hung out that day. You're not upset with me. Um, the day that we miss, or if we have to cancel plans or reschedule something, you're not mad at me. And it's the same with God. Like he loves every moment that he gets to spend with us and he desires that time with us, but he's not, you know, he's not, um, upset and shaming me if I don't, if I don't make that, um, even a priority, but he wants us to, um, and I want that now. And I genuinely want to, um, to do those things now that God wants, but that's because I first had to realize that I had a problem and then I needed his help to change. And I invited him into that space. And so he's changed my heart. So here's the thing that I want to get to that you, you're kind of, you kind of led me to is that it's got to be more than the change, the mm-hmm. want to change. So uh, I think a lot of people that struggle with food, they say, I, I, I'm, I'm overweight. But they really don't want to change their eating habits. They really want to change the result of their eating habits. They mm-hmm. want to change Absolutely. the fact that they're overweight. And so they say, well, I need to change my eating habits and because my end result is to get lose 20 pounds or whatever. But what happens when they reach that goal? When they reach that goal of 20 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever it is, then they stop because they've reached their destination and that their destination was to lose weight. And if your destination is to be able to sleep at night, or if your destination is, you know what, I really want to, I just don't want to have to overthink things. I want to, so if you reach that destination when you're finding it and that's your ultimate destination, then you're done. But guess what happens whenever you stop, stop taking that journey. When you stop taking that journey to your destination and you reach that destination, you stop and then then, then all those (laughs) things start happening all over again. You see that happening in food issues all the time where people said, okay, I'm going to lose weight. I did the same thing in my life. I'd run a marathon. I would lose 25 pounds. And then I would eat for the next nine months like I used to eat, and I would gain all 25 pounds back again. So I think it's important. One, there has to be a desire to change, but I think there needs to be a 
fine tuning mm-hmm. of what that goal is. So you mentioned earlier us spending time together. And for me, most of the time, there's some things that I probably don't want to do, but most (laughs) of the time it's about spending time with you. I will watch a romantic movie that I really don't care about because because I want to spend time with you. I will go somewhere with you, even though I may not even want to go to that place, but I do that because I want to be with you. And I think that is a key part to change is that I have to want to change and I have to realize that the change is really not my end destination. Mm -hmm. If my ultimate goal is closeness with God, then all of these other problems and issues are going to be worked out. But if my ultimate goal is to stop looking at pornography and to have some some sobriety over that, which was initially what I thought going into recovery, it was that I just want to get clean. I just want to, I just want to be sober. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens whenever I was sober for a year? Oh, I'm sober. I'm done. No, because if I am, I'm going to go right back into the old neural pathways, those old etched in pathways that I once had. It's so easy to go back to that path. Now it's hard to beat a new path, but the more that you beat that path, the easier it becomes. And, and I have to- told you this story, but in my first step study that I was in at Celebrate Recovery, the co-leader mentioned, he said, you know, he goes, recovery is like going through the woods. He goes, the first time you go through the woods, the bushes are all overgrown. You can't get through. You're trying to get through. You, you pull out your machete and you start beating down bushes and trees and, and you, you start going through and you beat this path and you get to the other side. And then you come back and it's still hard. You still need the machete. But then the third and the fourth time, the the, the weeds have, have now disappeared. Now you can walk, but you, the path is still grown over. But the more you walk it, it becomes a dirt path. And before you know it, you've walked that path enough that all the grass, all the weeds are gone, and now it becomes a gravel path. And then it becomes an asphalt path. Then it becomes a concrete path. Then it turns into a highway. So the more I walk that pathway, the stronger it becomes and the better it comes, which comes back to the fact that you said Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as we renew our minds and we start walking a new path, we need to keep walking that path and realize that our ultimate goal is not sobriety or the ultimate goal is not that change that we think that we want. Mm-hmm. That Really, the ultimate goal is closeness to God. And then as we get close to God, we start receiving healing from our past hurts, habits, and hangups, and we start walking a brand new path. And so anyway, I just wanted to, to bring that up because I think that it's real important that we understand that our destination, we need to understand what our destination is. Mm-hmm. Our goal should be closeness with God and that our actual recovery, the things that we want to change happens as we travel. And that's what's amazing is that, so so actually my journey is the destination. It's not, it's not this change up here that I want. It's actually the journey because why? The journey moves me closer to God. And as I move closer to God, I receive healing and I actually get that change that I wanted all along. But really the change is just a fringe benefit. That's just something that happens 
as a result of me getting closer to God. Would you agree with all of that? Absolutely. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Oh, thanks, Hadley. <laughs> I paid her to say that. No, I really didn't. But anyway, I just, so I, you know, I, we, don't, we don't have a lot of time in a 30-minute podcast to go over all the process of change. But I will tell you that it really comes down to walking closer to God. As we walk closer to God, that's really our destination is the closeness of God. And as we walk that path, and we never stop getting close. Like if I said, hey, I just want to get to know Hadley. Well, I never fully get to know Hadley. It's an ongoing relationship that hopefully we'll have for many, many years to come until I die and go to heaven. I get to know Hadley. We we continue our relationship, and as we do, we continue to get closer and closer and closer, and that's the way it is with God. It's an ongoing relationship. So I think it's important that we, first of all, do you want to change? Is there something you want to change? Okay, if that's the case, then the next step is, okay, your desire has changed. Now you need to change your priorities, okay? So the our desire dictates our priorities. So now I'm going to say, what do I have to do to start making change and get closer to God? What do I have to do to start doing that? Well, I need accountability. And you're in accountability right now in your step study. And I go every Friday night. I serve and I do the, I've done seven step studies. And these all um, give me accountability so that I can walk the new path that I'm trying to, to walk. So I think wanting change and letting that change my priority and letting that shape my choices. And then I start choosing to do the right things. I'm going to start choosing to not look at the wrong images. I'm going to start choosing not to worry. I'm going to start choosing that. And as I am walking the path, going to my step study, doing an inventory, which taking a deep dive into myself and seeing if there's anything from my past that I need to change. And so lots of things that that I need to do, but really it all starts with my desires. My desires dictate my priorities, my priorities shape my choices, and my choices will determine my actions. So anyway, that's really uh, what I wanted to get to today was, was that, first of all, do you want change? If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something that you've never done. And you're doing that, Hadley. You're actually walking that right now. And I know you're in the middle. And a lot of times our life change stories focus around a, you know, a before and after picture. Well, you're kind of in transition of that. After, you haven't got to the after picture yet. You're still pursuing God and you're still um, invoking change in your life. So I want to encourage you. Um, I am so proud of you. You have walk this path, you're walking this path, and you're making change in your life through God, and I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. So Hadley, if someone is listening today and they have recognized a unhealthy pattern in their life, and they say, you know, I, I see that there are some unhealthy things in my life, and I, I, my desire is changing, I want to change, what would you recommend that they do or start doing in their life? Yeah, good question. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're recognize and you're realizing, man, there's something in my life I need to change. <laughs> well, congratulations, you've taken the first step to change because you recognize that there's a problem and that's the very first step. Um, and then I would encourage you to seek God because he is your higher power. He is the only one who can invoke true change in your life and you need him. Um, to transform your mind. And then from that, 
from as he transforms your desires, your priorities will change. And as he, th- your priorities change, it will lead to change in your behavior and in your actions. But all of that begins with a heart change, which can only really happen through God. Well, Hadley, thank you so much for helping me host this podcast today. It's been great. So at Celebrate Recovery, they've got eight principles that they subscribe to. And principle three says, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. And I would say if you've recognized a pattern, as Hadley said, then you, congratulations, you have reached the first step. The next step is to consciously choose to commit all your life and will to Christ's care and control. Invite Jesus Christ into your issues, into this area of your life and allow him to invoke change. Well, thanks again for listening. Just remember, if nothing changes, nothing nothing changes. changes. See you next time.